is KGMI Connects with Joe Tian, a live local show about our community and you on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Thanks for joining us here on this Wednesday afternoon, and uh, we will take your calls. It's our open lines, open ideas program, and uh, our phone number, 360-676-5464. Whatever's on your mind, we'll want to hear from you. But before we take calls, is climate change happening? Are we being affected by it, and are we causing it? I had a chance to have a really interesting conversation a little bit earlier today. So we get started with that. But as I said, we'll take calls here in just a moment here on KGMI Connects. We're hearing about this fifth national climate assessment uh, where uh, scientists, stakeholders um, uh, come together and uh, create a report on where we are as far as uh, climate change and where we might be headed. And among those researchers are uh, several at Washington State University. And one of them joins us now, Deepti Singh, uh, great to talk with you, Deepti. Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me. And um, so I understand that each each one of you you uh, address a different area of of climate change or how it might be affecting some different part of the environment or 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 what have you. Yeah. So the National Climate Assessment Report has several chapters. It has two science chapters. Um, several national chapters of national interest, like um, impacts of climate change on different sectors, like energy, food, water resources, infrastructure, um, and then there are regional chapters for each region of the U.S., like Northwest, Southwest, um, and other regions in the U.S. And then there are a few chapters on adaptation and mitigation. Um, social justice, and finally, there are a few focus on chapters that address certain uh, themes that cut across multiple chapters. Okay. So I am an author on the uh, physical science chapter documenting climate trends and on the focus on compound events chapter. Okay. So uh, with, I suspect, with a focus on our region... Is that is that a safe assessment? Um, no, I'm okay. my role is on uh, the on climate trends across the U.S. and its territories, okay. and the focus on compound events, which is again an, uh, a topic of uh, national relevance. I did not work specifically on the Northwest chapter. Okay, all right. Well, let me start very broadly and ask you. Is climate change a thing? Is is our climate changing uh, our, here in the United States and around the world, for that matter? Yes. Um, if we look at global average temperatures, they have risen by about 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit over um, the last century. And uh, the t- and temperature over the U.S. has increased higher than that global average temperature. Um and so we've seen changes not just in temperature, we've seen changes in temperature, precipitation patterns, snowpack, um, in extreme events, in ocean temperatures. So there are many different indicators within the climate system that indicate that it is that the climate is changing. And this is based on measurements of um, based on instrumental records. This is not model data. This is just looking at observations. Now, I've talked to people who say that uh, a, a degree or two uh, doesn't seem like a lot. And I guess, can you can you speak to that? How how drastic of a change is that when you see that as a, a global average? So one degree doesn't seem like, a, or 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit does not seem like uh, a large amount when we're looking um at a global level, but changes across the U.S. and across the world in some areas are larger than that. Like parts of the Arctic or the northern latitudes have increased at rates that are two to three times higher than that. And it doesn't take a whole lot to have consequences across the world. 
right? We are seeing impacts on so many different aspects of our system, impacts that have changed like ecosystems and human systems in pretty substantial ways. That one degree, even though it doesn't seem a lot, has consequences like for every one degree of warming, there's about 7% more moisture present in the atmosphere. And that translates to intensifying extreme precipitation events that we have already observed, which are having consequences for us. And I'll just mention to you one number. Um, uh, so if we look at billion-dollar weather disasters in the U.S., in the 1980s, we were experiencing one every four months. And now we're experiencing one every three weeks. Now, there are other things that are contributing to that, but part of the reason why we're seeing this increase is because we're seeing more more extreme events and more severe extreme events. And that's just in four decades with even less warming than the 1.8 degrees that we talked about. So even a small amount of warming can have substantial impacts um, across many different aspects of the climate and Earth system. So, well, uh, extremes like, uh, well, like we here experienced with the, the, that uh, extreme heat wave that uh, of a couple of years ago, um, I guess, would that be attributed to climate change in its entirety, or is it, did climate change make it more severe? Can, can that be uh, calculated? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you bring up a very important point that is um, actually part of the National Climate Assessment uh, because um, over the last few years, the um, research around attributing specific events has grown a lot, and um, several extreme events that have affected the U.S. have been attributed to climate change. So that that field of research is relatively new. I would say over the last 10 years, it's really bloomed. And um, uh, we we can attribute the 2021 heat wave uh, to global warming. We can also attribute Hurricane Harvey, the amount of rainfall that was associated with that, and the amount of flooding that was associated with that, um, to um, human activities. And many, I mean, most heat waves around the world, these extreme heat waves are attributable to climate change. There's the science on that is very clear at this point. What about um, the the cause of this? Because there are many people who still say it. You know, there there are other causes, or the climate has changed on the planet throughout its its uh, existence, and uh, there's there's no way human beings could affect the climate this drastically. Um, I and and is there evidence that human activity is indeed causing climate change to the to the degree that we've experienced it in the last century or century or two I guess yes and I've heard that argument many times but um, the reality is that we are at levels of carbon dioxide in our atmosphere that are substantially higher than what they have been at any point in human history temperature global average temperature is higher at any time it has been in human history. And the rate at which temperature is rising is also unprecedented in human history. So this doesn't mean that Earth's temperature has never been higher. It has, but it hasn't been. Um, it, it, that was not when humans were present on, on, on planet Earth. Um, so, you know, in the... Um, times in the last 400, 800,000 years when temperature and CO2 levels varied quite a bit. Um, the levels of CO2 varied from 180 parts per million to about 280 parts per million in the atmosphere. And now we're at 420 parts per million. So we are substantially higher. We know what the source is. We're burning fossil fuels, and fossil fuels produce CO2, and we know the effect that CO2 
that carbon dioxide has on the environment. It's a heat-trapping gas. So the more of it we have, the more heat we're going to have in the environment. And that can be calculated. I mean, that can be observed, correct, in the in the laboratory, the, the heat-trapping ability of uh, CO2 and, and uh, other carbon-based gases? Yes, and we've seen, I mean, we have a record of Earth's history of, of um, um, you know, we have a record of Earth's history going back over 100,000 years, and we can see how temperatures vary with CO2 levels. And so when we're not really taking steps or big steps to reduce our carbon emissions, so we're trying in some parts here in this country and and some other countries, but uh, overall, it seems that uh, the use of uh, fossil fuels around the planet has not reduced, has not gone down, and that our emissions continue to go up. So I guess that we can expect these these effects to, to intensify, huh? So yes and no. Okay. Um, yes, that if if we continue to warm and we continue to put heat trapping gases in our atmosphere, then extreme events like the ones that contribute to those billion dollar weather disasters that we have seen across every region of the U.S. will become more frequent and more severe. Um, but the amount of warming and the increase in these risks. That's in our hands, right? We know that if we put more emissions into the atmosphere, um, we're going to see more of these risks. However, we have seen some positive trends in the last few years. Over the last 10 years, we've seen an increase in the adoption of solar and wind energy. The costs of those have gone down drastically uh, in the last decade. And overall, that's contributed to greenhouse gas emissions from the U.S., declining between uh, uh, 2010 and 2022. And if we continue the trends we're seeing and we do them more aggressively, we can bring our emissions down. And we already have technologies that we need to reduce those emissions. And the other thing, the other trend I will mention is that um, or actually maybe not a trend, but we're, we're seeing adoption or decarbonization of the electricity sector across the world. This is not just driven by a need to reduce CO2 emissions, although that is one of the main drivers. But even if you don't care about heat-trapping gases in the atmosphere, what you can care about is that reducing sources of emissions, fossil fuels, are extremely polluting, and reducing those sources of emissions have direct impact on our health now. So if we stop depending on burning coal, coal is also responsible for air pollution across the world. And that air pollution is um, responsible for impacts on our health, including including um, millions of deaths across the world. And so... If we remove those um, polluting sources, which also are responsible for heat-trapping gases, we can we can see immediate benefits to our health as well as our our immediate environment. Well, it's good to hear that all is not lost. That there is some hope that we're making mm-hmm. some progress, even if it's uh, baby steps at this point. But uh, uh, and because we hear about a climate crisis and. I guess, would you call it a climate crisis at this point, or um, do we have a little bit of time to to avert that crisis if we take the right steps? Um, I I think it is, I guess I would characterize it as a crisis right now because because of the changes that we have been experiencing, and some of those changes are, um, you know, they're already affecting every aspect of our lives today. It doesn't matter what you care about, climate change is affecting that. It doesn't matter where you live, it's affecting you today. And to me, that that is a crisis. Um, It's affecting people differently, depending on, you know, who you are and, and where you live, but it's still affecting each one of us today, and it's affecting our food, water resources, energy, um, supply chain, everything. Um, so it is a crisis to me, um, 
but I don't think all is lost. The National Climate Assessment actually does show examples of um, positive changes that are happening across communities across the entire U.S. Um, that uh, shows that people are adapting. So we have to adapt to some extent because we are still going to warm a little bit. And we need to be resilient. Even if we don't care about future warming, we still need to be resilient to the climate conditions that we experience today, the extreme events that we experience today, like the 2021, June 2021 heat wave, um, which... If you don't, uh, if you if you're not if you're not familiar with the statistic, over a thousand people died in the Pacific Northwest uh, during that heat wave, and that to me that indicates that we are not adapted to the climate that we are experiencing today. And so, there is adaptation happening. There are changes that are happening across sectors to make our communities more resilient. Um, and so, to me, that's a that's a, that's a reason for hope. All right. So and I'll, adapting to climate and also reducing our emissions, that is something that directly contributes to making improving our lives and improving our well-being. Well, we appreciate your your work on this, your research. And uh, once again, it's the fifth national climate assessment. I'm sure you can find it online and if you want to read it yourself. And uh, uh, Deepti Singh, uh, one of the lead authors of uh, a, a chapter of this assessment and a climate scientist and a researcher there at Washington State University. Really appreciate your time, Deepti. And uh, as I said, appreciate the, the work uh, that you and your colleagues have put into this. Yeah, and thank you for talking about this. And we'll take a quick break and be back with your calls and your thoughts on this or whatever's on your mind here on this Wednesday afternoon. It's KGMI Connects 360-676-5464. Back in a moment. What are you going to do for Thanksgiving? I know one thing. I'm going to prepare the turkey. Oh, yeah? How are you going to do it? You ever use the blowtorch method? No. How does that work? See, here's what you do. You get yourself the blowtorch and you get a turkey. And this is where things get complicated. Does it do a good job? It's so juicy. You just peel off all the blackened skin and voila! How long's that take? Ah, about seven hours, depending on the size of your bird. Standing there with a the blowtorch the whole time? Nah, I'll get the kids to help. But your kids are three and five. When it comes to preparing the Thanksgiving turkey, there's a new method every year. But one thing never changes. The joy of being with those you love. So this Thanksgiving, however you choose to prepare your turkey, get to the airport the traditional way. On Bel Air Airport or Shuttle. Avoid paying high fuel prices parking, and the worst traffic of the year. Sit back, relax, and watch the frenzied world from inside Airporter's luxury motor coach. With enough round trips daily, you'll find the one that's just right for you. Visit airporter.com today. That's airporter.com. Don't get stuck inside. Go to Summit Adventure Park, the place for fun, exercise, and birthdays with high-performance trampolines, giant slides, and so much more. Become a monthly member at Summit Adventure Park for just 25 bucks a month and jump all day, every day for just 25 bucks a month. Summit has the best birthday packages in town. Invite all your friends for two hours of fun, including pizza and no cleanup for mom and dad either. And monthly members receive 20% off the best birthday parties automatically. Listen to what Heidi has to say. I'm a grandmother with a grandson I love to spoil. We've hosted his last two birthday parties at Summit, and it couldn't have been easier or more fun. I just went online, booked the date, entered the number of guests, selected a few fun options, and it was done. The staff was awesome that day and couldn't have been nicer. The kids played jumped, ate, and we all got to chill at our reserved birthday table. No pre-prep, no cleaning, and as Lucas says, it's the best birthday present ever. Summit Adventure Park on Meridian next to Home Goods. We're taking your calls live on KGMI Connects. 360-676-5464. Great to have you with us here on this Wednesday, and uh, right back to the phones now. Let's go to Michael in Linden. Oh, we lost Michael in Linden. We got an open line now. Let's go to Bill north of Bellingham. Hi, Bill. Hello, Joe. Um, let me take my thing off of um, there. Take it off the speaker. Okay. okay. Um, what I noticed some uh, some some something that she said um, in the, the previous uh, talker speaker. Um, she said the average um, temperature change was one point eight degrees uh-huh. well and then she went on to say oh but it's been but it's been uh, there's been 
instances where it's gone up by many degrees. But, you know, when the, the, the average means that when it goes up in one area, it goes down in another. So we have, if she says the average is 1, 1.8, I'm going to go by her average um, rather than the swings that she's talking about, how it's gone up in certain areas, uh-huh. because it's also gone down in other areas to make that average to make that average out. And then something else she mentioned that when we had that heating episode a couple of years ago, uh-huh. I, I was following that very carefully, and I also was following the space station, the... Uh, the International Space Station, and the Russians detached uh, a, their service module or something from that space station and let it pl- uh, fall down into the Earth, and that space station had a lot of materials, a lot of metallic materials, and it exploded upon hitting the uh, upper atmosphere, and that those metallic materials could have very easily consumed a, a large amount of ozone in that uh, in this uh, area from um, when that material burned up, and it also w- was very likely containing radioactive materials as well, which are heavy metals consume even more. Um, oxygen when they burn up than the lighter materials do. So uh, that that heating episode, which also contributed to the um, 1.8 degree raise in temperatures, because it, that heating episode was, was a, one of the highs, um, I believe all of this very, very possibly um, was due to that the damage to the ozone caused by that space station and other uh, factors that are affecting the ozone rather than uh, carbon dioxide. Okay. All right, Bill. We'll leave it at that. I I don't know that there was enough uh, material in that incident or in a single incident that would uh, create uh, that much of an aberration, but um, we'll leave that uh, to you for you to ponder. Let's go to Rich in Ferndale. Hi, Rich. How's it going, Joe? Doing all right. Doing all right. A lot of times you said I'm a conspiracy person with fear of the government overreaching its powers. And you know, I don't I think about I don't think conspiracy. I, I but I I think well I well fear I, maybe you, would be a good way to summarize it. Uh, just or well highly skeptical or uh, I don't know what have you. Yes, but, I am uh, skeptical, especially okay. when the government you said is going to take us to court for water and it could last decades. But that's that's not the point. Okay. I think you have a lot of fear about the climate, so I want to know how is the climate change affected your life personally? Because I know you've asked me this: how are our lives different now with Biden versus Trump and inflation? Mm-hmm. And I always say it's worse, and you say we're just chugging along and it's fine. So I want you to tell me how climate change is adversely affecting your life, or let's say local people's lives here. Well, I guess you know, in 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 a you know very local way, we could look at that the heat wave that we experienced. I mean, I didn't die from it, and you didn't, and we you no. know, but but there were people who lost their lives, and people who were very terribly affected by it. I think, um, you know, as, and from a, just a practical standpoint, I guess my life isn't directly affected by it, but in the long run. It likely will be. I think we're safe Could to be. assess that. And right. and I mean, just you mentioned water. I mean, just here in the, you know, the Nooksack Basin, I mean, if, if the glaciers uh, steadily disappear and we have less and less of a snowpack uh, to, to supply our streams and rivers during the dry summer months, that's going to directly affect us. Right, but has that happened? Or is well, the snowpack it's, way it's below the, average? It's maybe the, one year to the next, but not over a long period, it's not. But we're like just say twenty or thirty yeah, years. Yeah, but I think we have to remember we're just one region, and even if we're to one degree or another, because you know, actually, I mean, they talk about the the waterfront here, and you know, and we have you know that it, we have we have waterfront here in our yeah, in our in county. Bay, the project and with the overflow it, and the wind that they did, yeah. And it's gonna it's gonna affect. I mean, look at what's happened. Even we've had uh, you know some of these windstorms uh, at high tide that have flooded uh, at parts well, of Birch Bay and other parts yeah, of the county. You know that project they did? So, yeah, that project where they built the berm up in Birch Bay. This was like a year and a half ago. Do you remember uh-huh, that? Yeah. So that was first proposed in 1975. So. Uh-huh. The problems that you're speaking of are not new. They've been happening on and off for the last 50 years. Okay. So we need to temper some of these things with recent memory in the last 100 years. And, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I know that Earth's climate has always been changing and always will. I mean, in, if kindergarten history where they teach you about dinosaurs and 
you know, there was palm leaves up at 5,000 feet on Mount Baker. Obviously, we've had drastic climate change. And well, so yeah. we're worried about this 100-year period. And it's, it's, I mean, we shouldn't hurt the earth or nothing. And America is doing a good job, according to that expert, right? We're doing better. We we're, need to get the third world to be better. Sure. And, and, but we, as the, the, you know, the third world isn't contributing the amount of carbon that we Ch- have China been. Is. China and India are. China and India are. All right. Those are, those are developed or US developing 12. countries. They, yeah. And they, they, well, but, second world, let's put it that way. But just because they aren't up to speed as, as we are doesn't mean that we stop what we're doing. I no, think we but can, if we're going to lead, we need to also be economically viable. So if right. leading means cranking us down to being a, garbage economy but that's see, not I think, leading I, but i think that's a that's a faulty uh, assumption that just but because that we're that by dealing with uh, climate change and making these transitions in our economy and how we no. produce energy and uh, I, that 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 is a losing proposition that that's going to cost our economy correct. and destroy our economy but the way the way we're doing it mandated by the government is costing our economy there should be simpler free market ways to implement all these things and not beat it over our heads with a stick and cause people to lose jobs. And see, we've sent jobs overseas in the name of the economy and in the name of climate, you know, outsource it to China. Like I mean, which how jobs? I mean, I, I uh, mean, okay, Apple, Apple iPhones, Joe, Apple iPhones are made in China where they pollute. We should have but, kept the jobs here in high tech factories here that are cleaner than in China. But well, we didn't that, do but that. that was, but that wasn't, that, that out. but that was, that's, that's what Apple had the, had the opportunity to do that. And I mean, that's not a, a climate issue yes, so much is. as sure an economic is. issue. Uh, yes, Apple said, okay, that, we can, we can, we can find, together. we can find cheaper labor in a, in another yes. country. So that's where we're going to have but these that bills. Proves that economics and climate are linked Joe. We have sent oh. jobs to places with a bad climate rules for money. And that's wrong. If we really care about this issue, we shouldn't worry about uh, Apple not making billions and rather than millions. Yeah, you know, and then, they could have done it here. But see, our regulation here also sent it away. It's too hard to build a factory here. Too expensive. Too long. I, too many okay. permits. Too many studies. So right, our own okay. systems have hurt us in that respect. I'm sure you got to get to other callers. Well, okay, all right. Well, all right, Rich. I don't know that it's just the regulation and all that stuff that uh, has driven uh, the production of iPhones and other items overseas, but. Um, I a big I think the big driver is probably labor costs, but uh, we'll take a quick break. And I I don't think we want to be on a race to the bottom as far as what people are paid. But uh, we've got other folks on the line. We'll hear from Bruce and Kevin and Jim and you here on KGMI Connects three six zero six seven six five four six four. You can always count on AirTech Heating. Whether you need maintenance or a new furnace, heat pump, ductless heating system, or a new gas fireplace. And when you install a Lennox Ultimate Comfort System with AirTech, you'll receive either a $1,500 rebate or no payments, no interest for six months. When financing a new Lennox system, you decide which offer is best for you. Keep warm all winter long. Call AirTech Heating, a premier Lennox dealer, today at 734-5010 and online at airtechheat.net. Hello folks, this is Phil George. I'm an elder law and estate planning attorney here in Bellingham and I'd like to invite you to join me every Saturday and Sunday at 1 p.m. right here on KGMI for the Aging Hour. If you have questions about Medicare, Medicaid, long-term care costs, probate, wills, trusts, or anything else that has to do with aging, this is the radio show for you. Studies show that more than 70% of estate plans fail when families need them the most. Join us every Saturday and Sunday at 1 p.m. and we can show you how to set your family up for success. Hi, this is Marcia Neal with Guided Solutions, formerly Vibrant USA. If you are on Medicare or if you and your family are on individual health insurance, the time to call us is now. You have a short window of time each year to review your health insurance coverage. To be sure you have the most cost-effective coverage for 2024, give Guided Solutions a call at 866 733 5111 and our helpful agents will be happy to assist you. Hi, this is Joe Tian from KGMI. We know you hear local businesses advertise with us every day, but did you know that when you do your holiday shopping online or in-store with a local business, nearly 70% of every dollar you spend stays right here in our community. That's better than a lump of coal any day. Thanks for letting us be part of your holiday. We'll see you at a local business soon. A holiday reminder to shop local from Cascade Radio Group and KGMI. 
The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Heating and Air Conditioning. Find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. We're taking your calls live on KGMI Connects, 360-676-5464. And we're glad you're with us here on this Wednesday. Let's go to Bruce in Bellingham. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Joe. Yeah, I want to comment on the uh, global warming, climate change okay. uh, issue that you had on today. I didn't get all of the interview, but she seemed to focus more on personal issues and degrees of temperature. Now, if she would have taken into account and read and analyzed the World Climate Declaration and the CO2 Coalition uh, websites and got a more uh, in-depth, critical view of the UN's uh, report I, I would have listened a little more careful, but she seemed too dogmatic on the absolute climate change uh, probability. And I think it's, even if they can look back 100 years, I think this is still in infancy. Now, the, climate, the World Climate Declaration doesn't say they have an answer. But they were able to shoot down in their terms, in their arguments, uh, the climate change uh, uh, pro-activists. Okay. Um, well, now she is a sci- climate scientist. She wasn't. A, uh, she's not a journalist. Uh, the the guest that I had on earlier here today, uh, climate scientist. And this wasn't a U.N.-sponsored uh, thing. This was a U- United States uh, climate assessment, a U.S. climate assessment, uh, looking at the, the climate, uh, you know, uh, stakeholders, scientists here in the United States making this assessment. So her, her, you know, this is what she studies is the effect of CO2 and carbon gases in the, in the uh, atmosphere and how they're affecting the climate and how they're affecting uh, you know, different different areas of the globe of the planet and of the country uh so her uh, and uh, i i understand the world climate declaration 1200 people um but, 2000 oh, oh 1200 is what i i saw but uh 2000 and growing but now i I understand only a small number are climate scientists. I mean, you can call it, you know, you can be a physicist, you can be a meteorologist for that matter, but that doesn't give you an intimate knowledge of climate science. And, and you know, these are people who study the climate and study the effects of these gases on the climate, the different, different gases that make up the atmosphere. With a um, 120-year uh, history? No. 120, what do you mean? Records back to 120, 150 years? No. Well, records go back. I mean, they can do assessments very way farther back than that. With, uh, with of, of the CO2, right. yeah. Uh-huh. Right, right. And determine. But, but, and but not, not temperatures. The heat trapping ability of CO2 can be measured and, and calculated in the, in the laboratory. And then that can be used to assess what the temperature was eons ago. And... As she said, the, yeah, the they, levels of the of these of CO two in the the atmosphere is higher than it ever has been uh, during human history, and that's not the whole history of the planet. That's just the since humans have been a thing. You know what I mean? So, well, no, I I I just think that she's one sided. Okay, she didn't look at an alternative viewpoint. Okay, all right, Bruce, and take that into consideration. All right. I appreciate it. Let's go to uh, Kevin in Bellingham. He has some skepticism. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Joe. Um, I found her arguments rather specious. Um, she just refuses to. I've not heard a single 
whole climate activist site, the um, trees that are showing up from under the Mendenhall Glacier as it retreats, that were dated to 1,200 years ago. In other words, there was no glacier 1,200 years ago in the Mendenhall Valley, which is in Alaska. Okay. We know that there was no um, Greenland ice sheet 1,000 years ago because the Eric the Red was not a real estate shyster, as we were all taught in school. It was truly green, and we know this because there are Viking farms show up that as the ice sheet retreats, they're finding these farms. You don't farm under a glacier. In Europe, as the uh, glaciers in the Alps retreat, they're finding footpaths from um, the Roman times and probably later, um, that people were using these were ice-free areas. So everybody, and we all know that Europe went into a mini ice age about 1,200 years ago. I think this ice age actually circled the whole northern hemisphere. And if we were coming out of a mini ice age, it would look just like this as well. And I think they're doing this to establish control over us, just like they did with the COVID-19. And I think that since we are one of the least polluting nations on the planet, if it's really such an existential threat, they should be curtailing China's and India's CO2 emissions. China is not a developing country. They have nuclear warheads. They have more ships than us. They're not a developing country, so they should not be cut any slack. So how do you, but how do we force them to take steps that that we'd like to see them take? I, I, I mean, we can, I, I don't know how you do that, but all we can really control is, is our own activity and what we do. Well, we can stop trading with them, which I realize would be very difficult, but... Um, Trump had them fairly corralled during his administration, and Biden, of course, um, has just backed way off and is almost a Chinese bootlicker, in my opinion. Okay. All right. Okay. When you, when you consider the, the balloon that he let fly across and all the other things that he's um, loosened up on, um, yeah, anyway, that's what I think of him. But, okay. Uh, All right, Kevin. Appreciate it. Let's go well, real quick. Let's go to Jim in Bellingham. Hi, Jim. Hi, Joe. How are you today? All right. What's on your mind here today? Oh, a number of things, but I'll try to get to them as best I can. Uh, your previous caller there talks about Biden being a bootlicker. Well, uh, he probably hasn't been paying attention to the uh, what's now known as the South American Sea. Uh, naturally, that's kind of a joke, but it's the South China Sea, but we're patrolling there all the time. We've had some close uh, encounters that uh, do speak of a possible war. And so uh, uh, I think your caller should investigate that. We have one party. It's called the Property or Banks Party with two right wings. And so this charade that goes on that, oh, the Democrats are so much doing less and less. Their, their foreign policy is very consistent, according to people like Michael Brandy and others. Our foreign policy is uh, is very consistent. There's differences, of course, in what, but you remember Afghanistan. Uh, Trump was scheduled to pull out of there in May of the year that Biden did, you know, so what, what success would he have had? So uh, those are my opinions on that. I would like to say there's a group called Bioneers, B-I-O-N-E-E-R-S. It's on the Cable Net News Network down in Seattle. Uh, but you can probably look it up on. And they're uh, very much in favor of, you know, getting along, reducing consumption, which um, if we keep going on the path we are, the, we're destroying the ecology as well as the climate. Uh, uh, is You know, that's on those uh, Bioneers. And then... Um, the vaccine wealth. This is another complaint I may have. Uh, you know, I just got my two vaccines and all that. Uh -huh. uh, but if you re if you remember that the vaccine money that was spent by the taxpayers in the 
tens of billions of dollars to research all this. Who gets the money in our society? Not uh, businessmen get the money, not scientists. And so we're all uh, we're contributing to all sorts of uh, advancements that are done largely on taxpayer dime, and it gets co-opted by the business community. Then they, you know, uh, make lots of money with it. Like I would say, Albert Einstein, uh, named synonymous with genius, he um, uh, penned an article in the late 40s, uh, and he said it was called Why Socialism? And not only was he a great man and a Jew who would be appalled by some of the Jews that are doing what they're doing today, uh, I also would say, what money did he ever make? You know, it's it's not the scientists that make all the money. And they often get very little say in what goes on in, in the world. It's, it's businessmen that are obscenely wealthy and so on and so forth. So I've been on for a little bit. I'll okay. just say, um, and thanks for letting me talk, and um, we'll carry on with this maybe tomorrow or the next day. Sounds good, Jim. Thanks for your call. We got uh, another Jim. We got a Rick and a Keith, and we'll hear from you too. We'll have a few minutes to take your calls here in just a moment here on KGMI Connects. Back in just a moment. The holidays are a special time, a time to gather with loved ones and celebrate, a time to embrace familial traditions, and let's be honest, to eat way too much amazing food. This Thanksgiving, the Archer Ale House is inviting you to begin a new tradition. Skip the kitchen, avoid the dishes, and let them do the work for you. The day starts at 10 a.m. with a proper Irish breakfast serving till 2 p.m. Then it's an all-you-can-eat Thanksgiving buffet for only $35. Succulent turkey, mashed potatoes with thick savory gravy, all your favorite traditional sides, and yes, there will be pie. The Archer Ale House offers over 100 different whiskeys, rotating taps, and craft cocktails galore. So relax, order a drink, challenge your obnoxious uncle to a board game, or simply enjoy all three football games. Reminder, Seattle kicks off at 520 against San Francisco. The Archer Ale House is 21 plus, so no kids table for you this year. This Thanksgiving, enjoy everything you love about the holidays at the Archer Ale House, 10th and Harris in Fairhaven. What a game changer. Cascade Natural Gas is offering energy efficiency rebates so you can enjoy more comfort in every room of your home and a lower energy bill, all while earning cash incentives. Find out how upgrading to high-efficiency gas equipment will keep you warm in the winter and cool in the summer and earn rebates. Contact a Cascade Trade Ally today. Call Proficient Insulation Solutions for all your insulation needs that'll qualify for Cascade's rebate program. The team at Proficient Insulation Solutions offers installation of spray foam, blown-in, and bat insulation to improve energy efficiency at home. At Proficient Insulation Solutions, your satisfaction is their business. Call Proficient Insulation Solutions today at 360-661-6320 and online at ProficientInsulationSolutions.com. So, if you're a Cascade Natural gas customer. Take another walk through your home and start thinking of all the rebates you could earn when you upgrade the energy efficiency of your home. Don't wait. Find out more today at cngc.com to start earning your cash rebates. Hi, this is Marcia Neal with Guided Solutions, formerly Vibrant USA. If you are on Medicare or if you and your family are on individual health insurance, the time to call us is now. You have a short window of time each year to review your health insurance coverage. To be sure you have the most cost-effective coverage for 2024, give Guided Solutions a call at 866-733-5111 and our helpful agents will be happy to assist you. KGMI invites you on an adventure to explore the Americana that is Boston and Cape Cod with me, Deanna Haraluk, on KGMI's Cape Cod and the Islands Tour, June 1st through the 7th with Bel Air Tours and Adventures. Discover the history of Boston, explore Cape Cod and Nantucket Island, enjoy a traditional New England lobster dinner, and more. Be a part of the experience. Find out more. Check out the Cape Cod and the Islands Tour page on our website, KGMI.com, for more information about this once-in-a-lifetime experience we're taking your calls live on kgmi connects 360-676-5464 thanks for joining us here on kgmi connects and we go right back to the phones go to rick in bellingham hi rick oh hi hi joe thanks for taking my call yeah you know uh, you know rich was asking uh how how climate change has affected people and and maybe he should ask the people up in in canada and the people down in California who have had to put up with, uh, fought, you know, devastating fires, and then and then like lat, uh, the summer of 2022, you know, I, I I remember the all the smoke down in the Bellingham area, and I remember it hurting my eyes and my lungs, 
you know, so, you know, that's how, that's how it affects people. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't just recall, don't not, you know, with like this past summer, I mean, these huge swaths of the eastern United States, the yeah. Midwest were, were inundated with smoke where uh, I I don't remember that ever happening in my lifetime. But. Oh, no, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm 73 years old, and, and I I never remember fires being in, in, in western Washington at that time, and I, I, I spent most of those 73 years here in Washington State, and I, and I do not ever remember fires being in western Washington. I never remember smoke, you know, coming down from Canada or, or, or from eastern Washington okay. affecting us. Never. You know, and, and, and I never remember all these fires happening up in Canada. Right. You know, I mean, you know, so okay, that, that's how it affects people. Well, and if I mean, we're all affected by that heat wave that uh, that climate scientists say was at least partly, again, at least partly be attributed to climate change. That's what they say. Let's go to, thanks for your call, Rick. Let's go to Jim and Deming. Hi, Jim. Hi. Hey, Joe, uh, yeah. real quick. Sure. I, I just want to say I think you do a good job uh, with your show and, and uh, you know, the calls and being objective. I just wanted to say that I was, and I may be wrong, but I was listening to the comments on the, you know, basically the pollution. And so I've spent in the last 35, 40 years time all through Europe, Asia, Turkey, Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, Nepal, and then Japan. We had an office in Japan for about five years, and we built a lot of houses in Japan. In Fukushima, we built a house in Fukushima, and when the uh, tsunami came, I was surprised at how fast all that material got to Chukana Drive, you know. And, and so you think, well, you know, what they pollute in India or in China is, you know, in a couple of weeks, it's going to be over here in Seattle, you know, or Bellingham or whatever, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just wonder what I'm seeing is, you know, like we are probably other than maybe Scandinavian countries, and you know, I don't know in Europe, but we are probably doing more or the most of any uh, nation uh, as far as, you know, our recycling and our pollution and our control, because you go to India, and I was in China about five or six years ago, mm-hmm. and the pollution's amazing. I mean, it's just, yeah. they have no, I mean, it's just, I mean, a small city, and I was in Komin, China, and, and I flew from uh, Seattle to Beijing, and Beijing is huge, and Komin is a small city, five, 5 million people. And it's just north of Laos, about uh, an hour and a half. Uh-huh. And the thing is, they're, so, they're, they're dirty cities. They smell. They're pouring concrete around the clock. They're building very little regard for the environment. India. India, I mean, when you come back here, I mean, it's just like we're Mr. Clean compared to I can imagine, uh, yeah, India. Yeah. So, so I was just okay. wondering what your, you know, I mean, so, so basically, what I see is the whole world. I mean, you know, there's there's there are nations that are more, you know, in Europe mostly, but that are more conscious, uh, cleaner, and recycle more. But in a in the the short of it is. A lot of them don't. A lot of places are, you know, they're they're in such a uh, frenzy to survive and, um, you know, just make a living that, you know, they they couldn't yeah. be bothered with with uh, putting their uh, waste in the right uh, it, container. It, it, right. Place. And it does affect all of us. It affects the entire planet, ultimately. Yeah, yeah I it think, does. I it think... does. Some of the, you know, some of the mercury pollution that we might experience in our in our local waters and stuff, I understand, might yeah. very well come from uh, China yeah. or other Asian yeah. countries that are so, emitting. So but, I, I'm thinking the same thing, and, you know, we've put a big effort into our solar, uh, you know, into, uh, you know, our, our harvesting oil and petroleum, you know, cutting back, cutting back in the pipeline, all this stuff, and I really think it's you know, citizen 
the butt and, and mm-hmm. in a lot of ways because we're at the mercy of other foreign countries to get the oil, and we have a lot of it, you know. But okay. anyway, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let you go, but I just was wondering what your thoughts were on that. So. I appreciate your th- – yeah, I appreciate your call, Jim, and it is. It, well, I guess as I said earlier, I, I all we can really – control is our, our, our own actions. And, uh, if we don't take it, and, and I think we probably woke up to this problem earlier than most or what we did. Uh, we were an industrial industrialized country and we started to see the effects of pollution and we have some terrible effects of pollution, but you know, we had a river catch on fire in Cleveland and, uh, we decided, okay, we need something to happen. And back during the Nixon administration, when they established the the uh, Environmental Protection Agency, and uh, and this became an issue: uh, how we pollute our country, our our world, and how we can protect it. But we're a little bit short on time. We'll talk about that more, and I'll get happy to give more of my thoughts on it. But I appreciate your call, and let's go to Keith in Lynn. Oh, we lost Keith, so let's let's go to uh, we got Jim over on San Juan Island. Hi, Jim. Hi, Joe. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, I know a short short time. I will just say that China is polluting on our behalf because of our religion of, uh, of green energy. And so they are producing incredibly. But as far as the wildfires, we stopped managing our, our forests about 15 years ago. I have inside information. And, and uh, Canada is monkey see, monkey do. We do something stupid. Hey, let's do that stupid thing. I get the news. I'm a stone's throw from, uh, as the crow flies from Canada. I get their news, and I'm amazed at how we have a problem. And in five or six months, they got the same problem. So we didn't manage our forests. That's the reason for the wildfires. And the reason why China and India are polluting is because of us. We are the problem. So what? Uh, real quick, though, how how do we manage forests? What, I mean, what should we be doing? Cutting them down? You, or you keep I, you keep no 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 no. You keep your trails. You keep you keep your forest service roads okay open. Okay, so you can get up there. And you can and you can create uh, uh, fire breaks, and, and you let people get in there and log the underbrush that is the tinder that makes it happen. All right. Well, I appreciate your thoughts, Jim. Once again, though, we have to remember they're wildfires. They're not all forest fires per se, and uh, you know, like in eastern Washington, that's what they are primarily. Many like grass, sage butt brush, and that sort of thing. But we're out of time. We'll continue our conversation tomorrow, four o'clock here on KGMI Connects.